With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's right. Skype is becoming Snapchat. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. So if you thought Skype was just for us to do a radio show, you would be so wrong. <laughs> no, Skype is now going to become the next Snapchat. And that reminds me, radio show reminds me of this. If you go to jagshow.com, that's J-A-G-S-H-O-W dot C-O-M, you can click on the Amazon link. And what you can do from that Amazon link, which is right below the fold of the Jiggy Jaguar background, what you will see there on your right-hand side is that Amazon link. Click on it. Make your purchases through there. And in so doing, you purchase not only do you get a great purchase from Amazon, but you support the show. You make yourself happy and you make other people happy too. And that's what this world is about. That's awesome. It is uh, Jay Izzo. He's with us today here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. And uh, there, there is a heck of a lot going on in the world of social media. And uh, what is the social media tip of the week then? Well, I, yeah, I think, we, I think we need to talk about privacy in social media is what we need to talk about. And I think you have to make an assumption that you're never really private. And, and I say that because it's really so much easier to say than actually to really keep in mind because what happens is we've talked about this the psychological thing that happens when we're on social media on the show before and it's called online disinhibition effect and basically what happens is we get behind a computer we get behind a phone we get behind a tablet we get behind a laptop all of a sudden our inhibitions are gone and we will say things, we will do things that we would not do if we were face-to-face with someone or if we were in the same room with them. And so what happens at the same time is our privacy also goes out the window. And, and folks, now I'm speaking as the psychological profession, professional that I am. And that is you have to understand that when you get behind these different things, this, these different pieces of technology, what happens to you is you forget that you're no longer private. And that you're opening yourself up to all sorts of things in the world. And this includes the Snapchats and yes. the group. It, it, it includes all of those things. And so you have to really be consciously aware and be very intentional about saying, you know what, yes. I know I'm not you 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 are correct. You you are <laughs> you are so correct on this. We've got Jay Izzo with us today. Richard Kurtz is patiently waiting on the line. We're going to get him here in a few moments for finishing up here with Jay Izzo, our uh, social media guru. You can get more information over there on his website, socialmediology.com. And um, what is the social media resource of the week, sir? Yeah, and because we don't want Richard to get too angry with us, because he, you know, it is Richard. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> Um, Richard, I love you. You know, I do. (laughs) I I know you can hear me, by the way. I know that you're waiting online and you can hear my voice. So, so, so this is one of Richard's favorite, by the way, this is one of Richard's favorite websites. I can tell you that right now. It's called techcrunch.com. Techcrunch.com. Yeah, I love techcrunch.com. More specifically, I recommend people to go to techcrunch.com forward slash social 
because they have a lot of fun and interesting articles about social media, how to use it. And matter of fact, there was an article in there like kind of divulging what all these different words mean in the social media world, which I thought was really cool because a lot of people don't know that there's kind of a language all of its own when we talk about social media, and, and they have an article on there. So I really recommend people. Uh, Richard Kuritz loves it. I love it, and and I think you will love it too. And that is you should check out techcrunch.com forward slash social. And there it is. There's your social media resource of the week. There is your social media resource of the week. It is uh, socialmediology.com and uh, at Internet Doctor on Twitter. And, uh, Jay, I, as soon as we are done with Rich, uh, stand by. I will give you a holla holla, and we will get Annabelle on with us. And uh, I will be back with you here okay. in a few moments. Am I hanging up or staying on? I'm going to have you hang up because the Skype to phone thing doesn't really work because Richard can hear you, but he can't respond to you. Gotcha. And so I'm going to call you back here in about 15 minutes. Once we're done with Rich, I'll I'll get you back in here. And actually, I kind of like that. He has to actually listen to me. He can't respond. (laughs) Well, thank you, Jay. I'll be right back, my friend. Jay Izzo with us today on the world-famous Chiggy Jaguar radio broadcast. And uh, we are going to do a uh, quick little timeout here while we shift things over, get Richard in here. And uh, we'll be back here in about 60 seconds on our big program. Hold on. Well, I told you it was going to be 60, but it's more like 33 seconds. Uh, Richard Kurtz is joining us here on the telephone. Strategies PR and the La Jolla Riders Conference. He's with us today here on our big, big broadcast, the uh, Thursday edition of the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio program. And, uh, Richard, you, 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 you're back from uh, uh, Florida and the trips and uh, hanging out with the family and... Uh, Everything else, uh, let's talk about the other D-Day today, my friend. Uh, June 5th, 1967, there was another massive military invasion that lasted less than a week. And Richard Kurz is with us today, political scientist, writer, PR strategist, carpenter. He's here with info on this forgotten June war. So what is the other D-Day, Rich? Well, on uh, June 5th, 1967, there was a... uh Six-day war, known as the Six-Day Arab-Israeli War, um, primarily between Egypt and Israel, and it involved massive moving of troops, much like the, uh, just like the D-Day in 1944, and involved military planning and phenomenal logistics, and had an awful lot of military and political and geological, uh, geographical rather um, ramifications to it. Um, and uh, we, you know, we forget about it because it was short. Because when we think of war in June, we think of D-Day, which is appropriate for Americans. But this little war was a uh, very big indicator of a sometimes the right way to run a war, and b um, the fact that the war just doesn't always solve things. Well, you know, 
you are you you are speaking correct on that. Uh, it is it is Richard Kurtz with us today. He joins us live. Strategies PR, and of course, uh, now now why exactly did this happen, my friend? Well, you know when um, uh, you talked with Alan a few weeks back about yes. the uh, about the uh, uh, meeting with uh, FDR. Oh yeah, nineteen forty eight. Yep, with uh, the Saudi the new Saudi government. And uh, you have a situation where, for centuries, I mean, for 4,000 years, groups of people lived in the whole Middle East area. Uh, there were there were Jews, there were Arabs, there were all sorts of nomadic and and fixed areas where people lived. And then they didn't. Then they fought and. What was often said about the uh, the various Arab groups was that the only thing that they hated more than the Jews was each other, and it's probably still accurate. But once an Israeli state was established in '48, well, they really hated it. They wanted no part of them. I mean, it was it was religiously and politically antithetic to anything they wanted, and they were bound and determined, as is many of them today to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Well, there's if you look at the map, it looks like a triangle and you've got mortar on both on on three sides of it, but there's an, an extremely important waterway, the, the Gulf of Tehran, um, that goes into the Red Sea that Israel needs in order to run ships and and and, and operate economically. And in 67 there were a lot of tensions rising between uh, Nasser and Egypt and uh, the Israeli government, and they threatened to close this little gap and choke Israel over there, so that the only way they could get a ship out would have been out through the Mediterranean. Um, well, they wow. didn't like that. <laughs> and they and they put uh, the Egyptians put all their tanks and troops and all right on the border to really say, hey, you know, if you don't like what we're doing, here we are, we're right in your face. Well, that wasn't really the smartest military move that they had, because Israel did a preemptive strike, and they weren't expecting it. Wow. Holy smokes. It is Richard Kurtz with us today. Strategies PR. He joins us live. Now, the military result of this whole thing, Rich? Well... Moishe Dayan was the uh, the general in charge, and um, he wore an eye patch from a previous engagement. And um, my attitude has always been, you know, don't mess with the pirate with the eye patch because he's already pretty mean. And, and apparently they picked on the wrong guy. And the Israeli troops went up with superior air power, and in the first day they wiped out the entire Egyptian air force. And uh, by the second day, they had obliterated just about every tank that Egypt had. And the third day, they were chasing them across the Sinai. Uh, the end result was they lost about 1,000 Israeli troops and 20,000 Egyptian troops. Not a good ratio for the guys who were trying to flex their muscles. <laughs> wow. And, they, and they, they taught them a severe lesson. You know, the, the, you know don't... Uh, 
don't do it. Don't don't mess. Don't just leave us alone. Let us be. You know, we 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 don't want a war. We don't want anything except to run our country. We're not here to take your territory. We're here to exist in ours. They haven't quite gotten this point yet. And the result of this war was a later skirmish in '73, and the continuing skirmishes um, that have happened in and around the area. Israel did geographically take a small piece of territory but the net result of that was Jerusalem is now an open city before that it was a closed city they couldn't use it Um, and Israel has a position now where it's harder for them to shoot down on them although from uh, from the Gaza Strip they're still doing it but they don't have the Golan Heights anymore they gave them back the Sinai they gave them back just about nine-tenths of every piece of land that they could have kept since war enables you to take other people's land. Uh, and yet, you know, and there was a great handshake between Anwar Sadat, who to me was a hero of, uh, of Egypt, uh, shaking hands with Menachem Begin from Israel, and Anwar Sadat was promptly shot. Um, there's an embedded hatred between people who have to be perpetually on the defensive and people who are perpetually on the offensive. You must have, in order to have an agreement, you have to have two sides with something to gain and something to lose and some level of stability. Uh, don't have that there. Uh, the, the lesson is, is until you have two people who can make an agreement and stick to it, you're never going to have an agreement. We saw this in World War One when we defeated Germany the first time, and then we left them devastated. Uh, they came back, and then we had World War Two. You did not have a stabilized government that you could reason with, that you could have give and take with, and then you had the rise of, 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 the, of the Nazi administration, the Third Reich. Yes. And then you had World War II. Uh, what you have going on in the Middle East is you have some stability, oddly enough, from um, Saudi Arabia. But you have no reasonable level of, of, of willingness to make an agreement. I see this coming, finally. But it's coming mostly out of fear because Iran is such a loose cannon and ISIS has been such a loose cannon. And until both of those sides come to the come to the point where they can say, okay, how do we find a way to get along because we both have something to lose, um, you're going to have a continuing situation. That's what you have going on with uh, the, the nutcase over there in North Korea. We have instability because one side has got an ideology as opposed to a methodology. And the same thing is going on in the Middle East until more and more of those people feel that they have something something to hold on to other than, other than sand. Uh, they're going to continue to, to believe in governments that just want to continuously blame somebody else and take them to war. And um, there's something to be said for a foreign policy that can create 
calm in other countries so that they can have a reason to maintain that calm. Um, we're getting there, but we've got eight years' worth of a mess to clean up to do it. Well, and that that's where we're going to leave it uh, today with uh, Richard Kurtz here in our broadcast. And, uh, Rich, bring us up to speed on how the uh, writing of the book is doing, my friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> the booking, the writing of my book is going a lot better than the... Uh, than the uh, writing of James Comey's book, I think. Um, <laughs> well, uh, he's still doing he's still doing exhaustive research on what I can come up with next to stay in the limelight. But um, it moves along. You know, you've got to uh, you've got to just stay at your writing every day, or at least several times a week, and you have to be you know diligent and motivated and 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 crazy to do it in the first place. But it's uh, it's coming. Well, thank you, my friend, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you next week. Thanks for being with us. You take care. Definitely. Thank you, Rich. All right, bye. Rich Kurtz with us today. We are going to dial up our uh, next guy here in a few moments. If you want to get a hold of us on Facebook, you can do so. Facebook.com slash the Jiggy Jaguar and. Uh, our next guest is going to be on the line here in just a few seconds. He is going to join us. Alex Azen. <clears throat> Hello. Hello, Alex. It's James Lowe with KJG Radio. How are you, sir? James, how are you? Pretty good, actually. Give me about five seconds here, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll get you on. Alex Azen is going to be with us here in just a few moments. Uh, find us, JiggyJaguar.com. Also, YouTube, iTunes, uh, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. And Alex Azen, Azen is going to be our guest here in just a few seconds. He's going to join us here on Skype Audio. His website, WindOfFreedom.org. That's WindOfFreedom.org. And uh, he's got a YouTube channel, bizforpeace.com that's B-I-Z the number four P-E-A-C-E dot com and uh, Alex is with us today here in the broadcast he's got some amazing amazing stuff he's uh, got a great background Alex first of all tell us a little bit about your background you have an amazing one my friend well first of all James thank you for having me on the show yes Um, I really appreciate that helping to get the message out um, my background is um, I was born and raised in a city called Odessa, which is on the Black Sea, and that's in the country Ukraine, uh, a former Soviet Union. Wow. Wow. Now, how, how, how did you uh, kind of give us a little bit on your bio here? How, how did you make your way through, uh, through life and everything here? Um, well... This is a, a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to make it interesting. No, you take as long as you need, my friend. Go ahead. <laughs> Appreciate that. So, um, as you figured out, I uh, I was born in what Ronald Reagan uh, used to call an evil empire, which is the Soviet Union, and um, I was born in the third generation Navy. My grandfather and my father both fought Nazis during World War II and uh, helped to defeat them, and I'm very proud of them. Now, I followed in their footsteps, and I went into the, uh, into the uh, Maritime Academy in Odessa, and uh, I uh, grew up, obviously, in the Navy environment and in the environment of communist oppression and domination. My, both my grandfather and my father 
uh, ended up being a commander in the uh, in the Soviet Navy, served in uh, the end of the World War II. Then he was involved in Vietnam in the Russian Sea Lift Command, and then eventually at the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. So I grew wow. up in the environment of hostilities, uh, fear, fear of nuclear annihilation, World War III, and communist domination. So searching for freedom and uh, desire to go to a whole different life and hopefully peace and freedom, we were able to get out of the Soviet Union, literally escaped there late 1979, and eventually made our way to New York, United States, for which I'm internally grateful. So I've been a U.S. citizen since 1986. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, um, what what have, what have you noticed as far as major things uh, from from where you came from to, to to the United States and everything nowadays? Well, this has been over thirty five years ago. Um, many changes. We all grew up. You know, I was twenty three when I came over. Uh, of course, I'm much older today, and, and the country is a little bit older. We, we learn as we go along. We get different experiences in life. Um, the country, our country, the United States, is, is, in my opinion, still the greatest country on the planet. We are, we are free to pursue our dreams. Sometimes we turn dreams into the nightmares, but it's up to us. You know, it's not really the communists who dominate you and your thinking and your work ethics and everything and forced labor. It doesn't exist in this country. So we make our own decisions, and it's a wonderful thing, and it still remains, it still remains the strength of America. It's our liberty, our freedom, our constitution, our ability to, um, to deal with what's wrong. And I like to quote James Butler, who said a while ago, he says, I love United States of America so much, and that's why I will take any opportunity that I can to criticize it. And so constructive criticism and desire to make things better is what, what, what makes Americans great. We, we can pick on what's wrong, and everybody has responsibility and abilities to make things better and to make improvements when we see them. So I love that about the United States. Uh, what had changed is that, interestingly enough, the whole world changed. It's not just the U.S. The whole geopolitical situation changed. Uh, since collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, we are no longer in defined Cold War. We don't have the world divided into major areas. You know, the one was controlled by the U.S. and NATO, and the one was controlled by the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Bloc. There are many, many things that are happening. There are many changes going on. The countries um, separate from these unions. They go different ways, and we create different entities, and therefore there are different levels of interaction between the people and the countries. We, we don't live in the threat of the Cold War anymore, which is, which is great, but there are other issues in the world that um, we, we need to pay attention to as, as people in whole, and I, I want to promote the concept of, of course, my, my hero forever is John Lennon, who always said, you know, we are one and give peace a chance. So the agenda is to maintain peace on the planet. You can't maintain peace just in one country alone because there's so many interactions. It's impossible. You have to have a peace between the, between the family of nations. And everybody must contribute. Because it never ends. It never ends. Yes. So as far as the 
you know, it, it's an ongoing sort of campaign, humanity, human campaign versus sometimes, you know, quote-unquote evil forces that are also out there and trying to start up trouble and eventually create more conflicts and more wars. So we all have to contribute these days. Now, what, what also is, is different, I guess, is that, um, uh, and I listen a lot to my father, not just because he's my father, because, you know, thanks God he's still alive. His name is Eli. And he is the greatest man that I know because he is 92 and he lived through all of these conflicts. He was there when the United States, you know, dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. And that effectively ended the Pacific campaign and the World War II in the Pacific. He was then there when Soviet Union developed their first nuke in 1949. And so he experienced these things. And then Vietnam, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis many other things so he pulled me aside a couple of weeks ago and he said you know what alex i'm not going to be here 20 years from now you will be but i'm worried about you guys because the world is really not in a good state of affairs and it's it's tough and it's hard and it looks like pushing to some more conflicts and I said, why are you saying that? And he says, because I'm afraid there will be an all-out war. I said, no, don't say that. And my dad says, and he is the commander. He is a former commander of the Soviet Navy. He says, look, 60 years ago, U.S. was the only country that, um, 70 years ago, U.S. was the only country with a nuke. 1949, Soviet Union developed it, and they pretty much split the world, and they influenced each other, and they controlled And there was a policy called MAD, M-A-D, which is, most people know, mutually, assured destruction. We had to do a lot to prevent that from happening. And then Reagan and Gorbachev signed SALT treaties, which helped to reduce number of warheads and give us all peace. We don't want to live in fear. That's the bottom line. We're little human beings. We want to have peace, love, harmony. We don't want to be worried about being nuked. But today, today, we live in a system, we live in a world where nine countries, nine countries, have the nuclear missile, I mean, nuclear warheads, uh, capability to launch, and then the other one is actively building it. And that is the difference between what it was like in 1950s versus today, 2017. So there's, there are more people who have nuclear capability. So we have to keep, keep our human side really strong to prevent something from flaring up and affecting all of us. You know, and that's coming from me. I'm just one guy. But my background, having come from the Soviet Union and then living in the United States for 35 years, I can see the changes that, that kind of started to happen. For 15 years, things were relatively quiet when Soviet Union collapsed. And uh, Ukraine, my home country, I was proud of them. They gave up nuclear missiles in like 92, 93, 94, became non-nuclear zone. That's a perfect example. But today, due to different circumstances, there's, again, more confrontation in the world, and they threaten our collective security. And that includes North Korea. That includes tensions between the United States and Russia. That includes Iran that is actively building the bomb. So, again, human beings, I, I definitely believe in more good than there is more good than bad. And so the good forces have to resist the bad forces and help us all to stay Stay alive on the planet and live in prosperity and peace and pass this beautiful planet of ours to our children and to our grandchildren. 
We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Welcome, Alex Azen. He is the creator of Winds of Freedom, a world peace initiative launched with uh, symphonic multimedia presentations inspired and produced in a quest to promote harmony and cooperation among nations. Now, uh, basically, Winds of Freedom started with you commissioning your own symphony. I've heard of very few private citizens commissioning their own symphony. Uh, before we delve a little bit deeper into everything with your background and, and everything here, tell me about your decision to create Winds of Freedom. <clears throat> it started in uh, 1986. Uh, there were two trigger events that really kind of uh, pushed me uh, and inspired me to start working on what became the Winds of Freedom. So the first event was the uh, explosion of the Space Shuttle Challenger. A tragic event. Having grown up in the Soviet Union, I, as many Russian kids, dreamed to become an astronaut. And we all know that the first astronaut or the cosmonaut was Yuri Gagarin, and he was a Soviet citizen. So that was my dream. So when, when the space shuttle blew up in front of everybody, it was really, I took it very personally. I cried. I, I, I felt sick physically when that happened. And I felt that I got depressed. And then I, this, this, this something that prompted me that I said, no, I need to create something. I want to put something out. I wasn't sure exactly what it was. Something that will inspire people and to help them think about the exploration in space and celebrate a victorious human spirit and then hope for the future exploration in space and celebrate the lives of the seven astronauts. So that was my kind of a first thing. Then uh, Chernobyl nuclear reactor meltdown happened in Ukraine, and that was a big tragic event for Ukraine and for some parts of Europe. So I started writing a little kind of a story, a little storyboards coming out of my head. And then I contacted a, a good long friend of mine, Emilian Sitchkin, who studied music in the Moscow Conservatory. And he is a brilliant, classically trained Russian composer. And so I came over to him and I said, Emilian, I really want to create something, and I think I want to create a piece of music for now, just based on my vision. And these are the certain the events that I want to reflect on them, and I want to put a really positive angle to all of this to inspire people. After the explosion in space, meltdown nuclear reactor, we need to be inspired. There was a major depression in Ukraine and all kinds of stuff. And so Emilian started to write pieces of music, and I continued to create a little storyboard in my head. I always... So I'm pretty visual. So I, I always saw the visions of what I would like to eventually to see. I see the pictures, and I gave it to him because he is a brilliant composer to to uh, translate it into the universal music language of music. And as event of the world progressed between 1986 and 1991, five years, 1989, the Berlin Wall came down. Thanks God, and it was a unification of Germany. Then Soviet Union started pulling out of the Afghanistan. We started witnessing the, the collapse and the separation of the Soviet empire. It's a fundamental events that greatly affected the world. And I kept seeing my visions, and I kept writing my stories, and I kept giving it to him. And so the result of it, it progressed from the music that was initially called Concerto for Astronauts, which was inspired by the Challenger, and then it, it evolved and evolved, and it eventually became the Winds of Freedom, which we premiered 
at the Carnegie Hall in 1991. It was the 100th anniversary of the Carnegie Hall, which was opened by another great Russian composer, Peter Tchaikovsky. So that is the brief history of the Winds of Freedom. I'm very proud of Emilian's music and the entire presentation at the Carnegie Hall. Nobody knew him. He's a big unknown, but he got a triple standing ovation. 20 minutes, people would not let him off the stage. We had 105 people on stage. It was a full symphony orchestra, Manhattan School of Music. It was the children's choir from the Cathedral of the St. John the Divine, and it was kind of like a pop band that I integrated into this. So there's a synergy of the classical, contemporary, and New Age music, all attempting to describe our feelings, our attitudes, our hopes for the future. That's briefly the history of the creation of the music of the Winds of Freedom. Fantastic, fantastic. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live, Alex Azen, creator of Winds of Freedom, and he joins us today. Now, you grew up in uh, Soviet. You came from a family that served as naval officers, and uh, your whole family defected from the Soviet Union in 1979. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Obviously, that upbringing is key to your motivations in creating Winds of Freedom. Um, you told us your family story, but... Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about escaping from the communists. Tell us about that. Well, it was a, it was a gamble. Um, other people gambled with their lives. Uh, but freedom is our ultimate, ultimate goal. It's freedom and peace, and people are willing to sacrifice their lives. The histories of people trying to escape East Germany and cross into West Germany are, are even more powerful than our story. You know, people jumping through the fences, people jumping out of the windows, people flying the uh, hot air balloons trying to go over the wall, people digging tunnels. It was unbelievable. And many of them got killed by the, by the guards and by the uh, uh, special forces over there protecting the border while while they were trying to escape. But the flow of people trying to escape never stopped, you know, because human beings, we like water. You know, we are flowing. We need we need freedom. There is no there is no life without freedom. We are suppressed and become animals that we are not. We we are designed by God, by nature, by everything, is to be free and to be able to make decisions, and not to live in fear and oppression all of our lives. So in 1979, we were able to, uh, my family, which was my father, my mom, my grandma, and myself and my younger brother, we were able to uh, kind of uh, manipulate the system and get on a, get on, literally get on a train and be able to cross the border into Austria uh, with a set of kind of a fake documents. Uh, if we were caught, Having come from naval family, all Navy, and myself and my dad could have been could have gone to Siberia or long-term labor camps, and it would have been a complete and total misery. So we were extremely stressed. We had nothing with us, and my dad says we don't need anything. We're going out to the West. Just take the Russian English dictionary. That's all you need. Learn the language. You know, forget about a bunch of personal belongings. Just be lightweight, be able to move in the cover of the night, switch trains, run if necessary, do what you have to do. If you want to get out, get out. And also at that time, we knew that um, the Soviet Union, there were rumors and rumors of war, as they say. The Soviet Union was moving into Afghanistan 
And my dad said, well, not again. You know, this could trigger World War III because U.S. might interfere. They don't want to let, you know, Soviet Union take over Afghanistan. So then the great movie out there that is called uh, Charlie Wilson's War with um, with Tom Hanks. Everyone should see that because it, there's a lot of history describing what happened between 1980 and 1990. Uh, involving the Afghanistan war and all the parties involved, Soviet Union, United States, Afghanistan, and Taliban. So all of this involvement there. We knew it was coming. It could have become really World War III, so my dad said, we get out, either now or never. And so we took chances, and we were able successfully cross the border, ended up in Italy, where State Department kept us there for three months, making sure that we are, you know, that we are basically who we are, straightforward, checked everybody out, and uh, we were given, given political political asylum in the United States. We landed at the JFK airport in uh, in the fall of 1979. It was a it was an incredible journey, and we were extremely happy. Like like sort of like if you feel like like the birds flying out of the of the cage. It could be an interesting, beautiful cage. It doesn't matter. It's still a cage. You want to get out. You want to be free. You want to fly. And that's what we've experienced, and uh, it was an amazing feeling. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Alex Azen joins us here in our broadcast here on uh, AMFM, 247.com, iHeartRadio as well. And uh, you created a symphony. It's amazingly difficult. You hired a composer, worked closely with him for five years. Tell us about the process and how world events during those five years affected the final product. Well, the events, the world never stops. The world never sleeps, you know, 24-7. And so the more things were happening, sort of more inspired I became, and I wanted to reflect that. In, in my mind, it, it was always a multimedia performance. It was always multimedia performance. I saw the movie in my head. Uh, but I couldn't get to it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't experienced enough, nor did I have any budget, but I always had these visions and storyboard. And so the music eventually transformed into what is now the Winds of Freedom multimedia presentation, which people can watch on the YouTube. It's 49 minutes. Take out my, my little three minute interview. So you have 46 minutes of video presentation. <clears throat> so again, what inspired me, it started from Chernobyl and the uh, events in 1986, uh, Challenger, we went on with collapse of the Soviet Union, the taking down of the Berlin Wall and celebration all over Europe, and then the d- dissolvement of the Communist Party, so to, so to speak, when Boris Yeltsin becomes the president of Soviet Union, and then people are now free. I mean, the president of of new country, which is Russia, and 16, 15 states went separately, became independent, uh, not depending on the central command of Moscow. Um, this These were amazing events of what happened globally. And the fact that we kept the world from going into World War III, and thanks God there was no huge civil war in Soviet Union, which could have affected everyone, I give a credit to to Russian people and to Russian politicians and to the army and to all of them at that time who kept kept their composure and in in the midst of major turmoil still there was no major war and we are all thankful for that. Now then of course you go through all kinds of things uh, the crises in different events in in Europe um 
and mostly it, not, it, it goes nonstop. You know, the change from the Warsaw Bloc countries now joining NATO and uh, um, geopolitical situation changing in, in Arab countries, major changes happening from Arab Spring. We have Iran and Iraq, the liberation of Iraq and uh, the fact that Saddam Hussein was taken out of power and it gave Iraqi people a lot of freedom. And then many different events that happened there, and of course they're not all positive. So I wanted to create, to put the piece together that in a sense has a multi, multi-purpose. Number one is education. For younger kids, for high school and college freshmen and everyone else, give them a crash course in history. So they know where it's coming from where we're coming from, the history of the mankind in the past, say, 75 years and the events that happened. I want them to learn the lessons of the past because, as the philosopher said, those who do not learn from their past mistakes are destined to repeat them. Yes. Now, yes, you are completely and, correct on that, my friend. And we don't want these mistakes to escalate for one simple reason. Once again, going back to what my 92-year-old father said, hey, nine countries today have the nuke. There is no room for error. We don't want mistakes. So people have to settle down, sort of try to eliminate weapons of mass destruction, and then be friendlier to each other. And that means I want to promote more culture, more sports, more cultural exchange, more music, more international festivals, more trade, fair trade between the countries. This way, we can minimize chances of, of all-out nuclear war. We've so got, the Winds of Freedom has that purpose. Well, I'll tell you, Alex, you are an amazing individual. We've got Alex Azen with us today. He joins us live here on iHeartRadio and also AMFM247.com, Global Peace and Universal uh, love among all humanity is the highest goal at windsoffreedom.org. That's W-I-N-D-S-O-F-F-R-E-E-D-O-M dot O-R-G. Now, you've taken the music, you've married it to images, you've created Winds of Freedom, the multimedia presentation. It's extremely powerful. What do you want people to get from the experience of watching it, my friend, and why? I want people to wake up. First off, sometimes we, we, have, we get lethargic, we get sleepy, we watch too much entertainment on television, which sometimes it's senseless, sometimes it's fun. I love I'm watching basketball right now. You know, uh, Cavaliers, Cavaliers and Golden War Warriors, I mean, doesn't get any better. You know. I feel I'm so privileged. That's awesome that you're an NBA watch. fan, my friend. Man, you know, obviously I am an NBA fan, and I'm thinking to myself, God, no, I don't want anything to interrupt that. I don't want any kind of a war or conflict or, 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 or racial or religious war happening to stop us from enjoying our games. So maybe I'm selfish, but I'm not the only one. So we all have our interests, and we don't want the worst to happen. And so I want people to watch the Winds of Freedom, and I want them to basically spread it. It's like the message I want to send it out to a billion people worldwide. And not just in the United States. I would like people in Beijing to watch it. I would like people in Moscow to watch it. Kids in, in Riyadh and Tehran and in Syria and in, in Brazil. More and more people just watch it. 
Okay, just watch it. I'm not asking them to go out and demonstrate and start another violence and start promoting something that other people may not like. But there are major messages in there. And the message number one, we are all human. We all come from the same cloth. What are the color, creed, religion? We all the same thing. We all children of God. Number one. Number two, respect other religions. Unlike communists who attempted, who basically decided to cancel out all religion, 1917 communist revolution. By the way, we are, they, I don't know who will be celebrating, but this is the 100 years anniversary of the Soviet communist revolution that changed the world. It happened in 1917. We're now in 2017, 100 years. So 100 years ago, communists came in. They may have an idealistic idea. They said, okay, let's cancel all religions because it's no good. Religion is a source of war. Well, perhaps, yes, sometimes religion is the source of war, but humanity cannot, cannot exist without some kind of a faith and the existence of beliefs. And so what I promote, and I would like other people to promote, that is respect. Don't try to cancel other religions. Simply learn to respect. We all live on the same spaceship called the Earth. So we must respect each other. We're all passengers on that ship. Whether you are Muslim, whether you are Jewish, whether you are Christian, whether you are Baha'i, whether you are Buddhist, we are all in it together. Respect each other. Don't threaten other people. Don't, don't try to force them. Learn to respect. And it starts with kids. It starts with 7-year-old, 10-year-old. That's what they need to be taught respect to other individuals and to their religions. So I'm, I'm attempting to, I'm sending that message out, number two. So through education. And then inspiring people to be better. There are a lot of quotes from wonderful people like Gandhi, like there's a quote from John Paul II, who is my also hero. Um, and he said, war is a defeat for humanity. I'll repeat that. War is a defeat for humanity. That means we failed as a humanity to stay together, be together, promote peace. I don't want to be a loser, and I don't want to be defeated. So I want the peace, and everybody should want that and conscientiously change their state of mind. Uh, statements from Dalai Lama, who is also my hero, who said the century today, the 21st century, must be a century of the dialogue. The 20th century was the century of violence. 21st century is the century of the dialogue. Bring more people to the table. Have discussions. Find common interests. Inspire them to work together other than pulling the knives on each other. That's the message. Well, Alex, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on the broadcast. And uh, before we let you go, how do we get a hold of you online and uh, communicate with you, my friend? Well, there is. Um, I have to say that there's a lot of work is being done. There's work in progress. Uh, there will be changes in the future, but fundamentally... The program is available on the YouTube, and if anyone can plug in World of Freedom, I mean Winds of Freedom. Yes, indeed. Um, you either put Winds of Freedom Alex, or you put uh, on the YouTube channel will be Winds of Freedom full version, and you can watch the whole 49 minutes, and it is free. And the email that you can reach... Um, our team is alex at windsoffreedom.org. Fantastic. 
I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Have your have, have fun, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Alex Azen, we're going to go to our next guest here real quick. Lauren Damrich. Hi, you've reached Cosmopolitans with Lauren, or Lauren. Please text me a message so I can get back in touch with you quickly. If you want to leave a message. If... Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but that's that. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.